Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Straight in. How long does it take to remove stitches after mild removal? And how long after can you start wearing makeup? Right. Quite nice questions twice. We like that. We like that. Get the comments in. So YHX703. Uh, the answer to your question, YHS, first of all, very dodgy me engaging questions about stitch removal because it is really the guy that put the stitches in, you know, who is who is responsible for that. And we all have different views on it. Um, but I don't want to be too unhelpful and say, oh, it depends and, you know, it depends on the surgeon, etc. So I will try and give you some help on, you know, general principles of stitches and stitch removal. And the general principles refer to the position of your body, YHX, and also the tension on the wound. So some parts of your body heal quicker than others. For instance, your face uh, heals quicker than your leg, for instance, around your ankle area particularly. Um, and so you take stitches out quicker on your face, for instance, than you would on your body. And also it depends on the tension on the wound. So if someone, if you're having a big mole removed and it's under a lot of tension, then maybe your surgeon might want to leave the stitches in a bit longer. Whereas if it wasn't under much tension, then they might take them out quicker because what we're trying to avoid is stitch marks, which is the little dots that come on either side of the scar, a classic scar, we're trying to avoid that. If you leave the stitches in too long, you can get those stitch marks. But the flip side is we're trying to avoid the wound opening up, which would happen if you took the stitches out too soon. So general terms, five to seven days, particularly for the face. Uh, for the body, particularly if the stitch marks are less of a problem, um, if it's in a less cosmetically sensitive area and you're more worried about the wound healing, you can leave it longer than a week. You can leave it two weeks, dare I say, maybe even three weeks in some areas where it's under a lot of tension if you want to make sure those that wound is healed and you're not so worried about getting stitch marks. So it does depend on the area of the body and the tension in the wound YHX. So I hope I'm not looking like I'm a evasive, dodgy guy. I'm not trying to dodge it, but it is difficult to ask that question. Um, not so difficult to ask the question, probably more difficult to ask the question really than, uh, than one might otherwise think. So... Um, Brad is in the house and getting the comments in. That's what we want to see, Brad. Good bit of commenting. Nice. Uh, Khan's in the house. Good to see you, Khan. Um, Brad, I don't know if you know, we're on Facebook, uh, Instagram as well. And I think we're on YouTube. Um, done this. Um, Corin's in the house. Good evening, Corin. Stargazer. Hypothetically speaking, in the UK, the doctor was found to have falsified medical records during a medical negligence investigation. <laughs> this is good bit of hypothetical speaking. What might be the consequences? Is it a major deal or just a slap on the wrist? Pepinek, Stargazer. Where where'd that come from? A doctor was found to have falsified medical records during a medical negligence investigation. Um, I would say that's a major deal, Stargazer, yeah. And I think that would be a um, probably something the GMC would get involved in. All doctors in the UK have to be registered with the GMC, the General, General Medical Council, and they would... I mean, 
it's I'm pleased to say it's not really an area that I have a huge uh, experience in, but I think this would come under the GMC and they would have a um, investigation like a council where they would decide what to do with the doctor, whether they needed retraining or whether they would be potentially struck off. I think I would say you could get struck off the medical register, which means you can't work as a doctor anymore. I don't know if it would be that. I don't know. I mean, obviously it would depend on the circumstances, but just from what you've said, that sounds pretty um, serious to me. Um, oh, here we go. Elaine, GMC would have a field day with them. Yeah, I think um, I think that would be probably probably fairly serious. Stargazer, I think that would be up there on the seriousness scale. Um, it would be top end. Um, good bit of hypothetical chat there. Um, thanks for that. So um, I've got a question here, if, I, if you don't mind uh, indulging myself. Uh, live on TV. What are the reasons for breasts feeling lumpy after having breast augmentation? Um, first thing I would say to people, I always say to anybody who's got breast implants in to check them. Now, if you have breast implants in or not, you should check your breasts because when you've got a breast and you've got an implant, so let's not forget there's a breast there. So you have to be aware of lumpiness and what I normally say to people is you, if you've got breast implants in and you've got a lump or you can feel a lump, you need to seek help from someone, whether that be your GP or whether that be a plastic surgeon. I normally tell my patients it's absolutely fine to come and see us because often the GP might think, well, there's implants in there, could it be an implant? And sometimes we can feel the edge of an implant. So in terms of what would be the reasons for breast feeling lumpy, if it's caused by the implant, which... I will talk about but I would also say you've got to be careful that it's not lumpiness caused by the breast lumpiness within the breast tissue which would then potentially need to be investigated and probably by a different sort of surgeon a breast surgeon which would be more of a general surgeon who deals with breast lumps and breast cancers so the first thing is to, to um, identify whether it's the implant or the breast and sometimes we can identify that and sometimes we can't so if we're not sure, then that would go down the routes of scanning to have a look at its implant and breast and sort of further delineate it. But stick to the, the brief, because I'm presuming they're talking about what would be the cause of an implant going lumpy. So um, right, I've got an implant here somewhere. imagine an implant picture of it <laughs> if you if you sort of if an implant's a bit squeezed in you get a what, what's called a knuckle you get a little bit that sort of sticks out in the knuckle of an implant so sometimes you can feel a knuckle of the implant an edge of the implant i'm sorry i haven't got one to demonstrate with you but i think um i think there's been a bit tidy up there and i think someone's um but anyway so one uh, reason for a lump would be a knuckle of the implant the edge of the implant uh, being a knuckle it often feels like a, a bump um, so that's something which can happen 
straight away, or it can happen over time because what you get is a capsular, capsule forming around the implant, scar tissue forming around the implant, and that scar tissue gradually contracts and it can make the implant sort of buckle on itself, if, if that makes sense. So that would be a sort of localized lump. If the implant itself generally feels like a big lump, big, a hard hardness, hardening of the implant is not uncommon with implants. Blanket back on, it's cold, isn't it? Um, let's uh, you can see that. We can, we can um, Brad, we can um, cut that out here. Yeah? Uh, in the, uh, oh, this is live, isn't it? Um, if it's the whole thing that's gone that's gone lumpy, then that's capsular contraction, that's scar tissue forming around the implant, making the implant feel hard. Not so much lumpy, but just generally hard. So uh, those would really be the two main things that would be normal for implants to feel lumpy um, and nothing to worry about in itself. There are things that can be done about them if you wanted them done, but a lot of times patients want reassurance for lumps. Um, the other more sinister thing that you can get which might cause lumpiness in implants would be ALCL, which is a very rare cancer associated with implants. Now, is it, ex it is extremely rare and actually the chances of you getting breast cancer, so a, a, a cancer within your breast is significantly more likely, but nevertheless it exists. So that would be a rarer cause for a lumpiness of an implant. And it presents as a lump or a swelling, so spontaneous swelling uh, or a lump on your implant. That is something that might potentially be alarm bells if it's not obviously a knuckle or capsular contracture. And that would be something that would need to be investigated to see whether it was uh, a lump associated with implant um, and if that would then need to be biopsied or, or looked at and taken further. So that is um, sort of worrying sign. So because of that, because of ALCL and perhaps more importantly because of breast cancer, if you do have a lump, um, then you need to get it checked out whether you've got implants in or not. Um, but as I say, it might be something insignificant like a knuckle or, or maybe an early capsular contracture. Um, what we got here, we've got Larry J. Good to see you, Larry J. Would you carry out a breast reduction and capital letters, tummy tuck slash lipo together or separate? Yeah, definitely together, Larry. Um, I, well, would you, by the way, is the audio okay? What, what am I on this? Mic number one, mic number one. I never know what mic I'm on. Um, should I just say, mic number one, mic number one. Two on two, two on two. Am I on that mic? Two on two. Right, okay. Anyway, um, would you do a breast reduction and tummy tuck? Yes, I would. Um, it, it's, it can be done. Now, I guess the question more is, do you want it done? So it's definitely quite a common Oh, Corinne can help me, right? Okay. Um, yeah, the Instagram. Instagram's always fine, Corinne. It's the Facebook, it's a, but I think everyone's gone from Facebook, basically. So no one's answering. So. Anyway, uh, push on, soldier on. Um, so would, would you do it? Yes, it's a completely common combination to do a breast reduction and a tummy tuck with lipo. That's, com that's very common and completely acceptable. The question more is, do you want it done? Because it is quite a big deal to have both those things done at the same time. A breast reduction is quite a big op, and then you combine it with a tummy tuck. That's another big op. You've got two areas to heal, and so it is a, it is a lot to take on. So, do you want it, Larry? Would be the question. Are you up for a big um, op and a long recovery? Now, I understand a lot of people want it done that way because it's one set of recovery rather than two, 
and often you find that the tummy tuck is sort of recovering while the breast reduction is is, is sort of healing in the background. The tummy tuck sort of the over often the overriding um, thing. So yeah, it's called a um, mummy makeover. So um, yeah. Oh, why can you start wearing makeup after facial models? Sorry, why you I, you did ask that, didn't you, about makeup? Yes, I would say so. What I would say in YHX is, first of all, always speak to your surgeon. Yeah, go as as before. But if if you have if you had your stitches out and it's dry, sometimes when you like the day or maybe a couple of days after you take the stitches out, so yeah, face. Um, if sometimes when you have the say stargazer's got a good dash. Good. Oh, just pressed you there. Thanks, stargazer. Thanks for coming. Um, take it easy. Um, if it's dry, if there's a little bit of blood or a little bit of, you know, something there, then I wouldn't put makeup on. But if it's dry and it's not, um, there's no sort of ooze or something, you know, so I'd probably leave it a few days. Christ, it's about to start again. Um, I would probably leave it a few days just to make sure it's completely dry. But once it's completely dry, then you can put stuff on it, be makeup or whatever. I won't go too crazy on it. But uh, yeah, I would uh, think that would be fine. YHX703. As long as your surgeon says it's fine, you know. Don't. Um, do we remove moles in under 18s? No, no, we don't. I mean, we can. I mean, a seven, let's face it, a 17 year old is basically an adult, isn't it? Hi, Jess, good to see you. Nice to see you here this evening. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, the um, sort of powers that be have a cutoff in terms of medicine for, for, for children, and 18 is the cutoff. So um, you and I both know a 17-year-old is a big individual. And it's unfortunately a 17-year-old with a mole, with a 16-year-old, you know, the mole or something they don't like, um, I couldn't do. You have to do regular paediatric lists and you have to have specific um, clearance or whatever you want to call it from the CQC for the clinic. And uh, we haven't got that clearance uh, so simply because it's not a large part of our practice and so we don't treat people who are under 18. Um, so we can, I used to treat children when I was in the NHS, what have you. So, um, you know, nothing crazy, just sort of prominent ears and, and, and moles really. But um, at the moment in my clinic, I cannot, and nor can I do treat people in the private hospitals either because you need to have regular paediatric lists. And um, there are specific paediatric plastic surgeons who would be best placed to be treating children under the age of 18. Um, and so that's, a, that's unfortunately, that's a no, and I'm sorry about that. And I know it is a little bit disappointing sometimes if people want things done at the clinic, but that's how it is can't do under 18 at the moment how long does numbness after surgery last breast augmentation so one thing it might slightly depend on is, is the incision for the breast augmentation personally i always do it in the inframemory fold the fold where your bra sits um which is then pushing all the tissue of the breast and i'm not actually cutting through breast sometimes you can do it through an infra areola incision which sort of takes the scar off the breast if you like and heals really well uh, at the lower border of the areola. I don't do that incision. One of the people, it does give a good scar, but if the, it, it does potentially interrupt some of the blood supply to nipple areola. So there might be some problems with the sensation with that incision. It's more likely than with an inframammary incision. So with my incision, it's less likely that you're gonna damage any nerves in the breast. 
but you do push the breast tissue. So it, you often do get funny feelings um, in terms of numbness or increased sensation or weird sensation, funny feelings, water going over your bra and all, a breast, all sorts of weird sensations when you have a breast augmentation. So there is a um, chance that you can have that. If you do have that, I normally say that it takes many months. Now that by that, I mean, it can take nine to 12 months. It can take a year for that to come back to life. And also it might not come back to life and there may be some persistent problems. It's unusual, as I say, with an inframammary incision because you're not cutting through any breast tissue, but it's not unheard of. So there is a risk that there might be some long-term sensory problems. I've never had anyone who's had a problem. I might have had some people who have had some sensory um, deficit, but they've never really, it's never really been an issue for them. So there is a risk that there could be long-term sensory problems, but it's, it's very common short term, but long term, you don't really get um, any problems. And Elaine is a testament to that because she has just said on Instagram, she's got no problems. So if you need any more, um, any more support, what's the word support, you know, evidence, Elaine's right here. So, um, yeah, so it is often a problem early on, usually comes back to life. But if it is a problem, it can take nine to 12 months. It can take a year for it to come back to life. So you have to be a bit patient. But usually it's not a big deal. It just feels a bit weird and a bit numb sort of thing. What brand implants do we use? So I, the clinic and myself are not tied to any company. So we don't have to use any particular brand. So if you want a particular brand of implant, you can have that particular brand of implant as long as the hospitals can get it. If the hospitals can get it, that's fine. We can use it. Um, so th there is no, there is no um, incentive for us to use any particular brand. If you don't have, so if you've got a view, fine, let me know. And if the hospitals get it, I'm, I'm okay with that. If you don't have a view, the brand that I usually use is Polytech. And the reason I use Polytech is because they are the only company which offers all the different types of implants. So they're basically, they're the only company that offer polyurethane foam. So they offer polyurethane foam, they offer the micro-textured, macro-textured and smooth implants, which are the basically the four types of implants, and they offer them all. So I can look at you, I can examine you, I can measure your base width, and then based on your base width, I can talk about different shapes and profiles, and I know that I can get that shape and profile in any of the, any of the different types of implants that are available. Having said that, I used to use Nagor a lot, and I'm still happy to use Nagor. They're a very good company, and there's lots of other very good companies out there who I haven't got a, you know, if you want a um, mentor or... Um, uh, Motiva, there's lots of other different companies out there. So happy to use them as long as the hostels can get them. The only thing is I'm slightly less familiar with the range. The Nagor and the Polytech range I'm very familiar with because I've used them for many years. So it's a bit easier for me. I, I'm, but, you know, they've all, I've got the books for them all. And as long as you've got the books, you can work out the dimensions and you can get an implant, which will broadly fit similar to the, to the Polytech ones. I also think the Polytech have got a good warranty as well. But um, as I say, I do not have a um, affiliation particularly with any brand. So if anyone's got a view on it and wants a particular brand, as I say, as long as a hospital can get it, I am down with that. Um, Olivia, nice jumper. That's kind of you to say, Olivia. A bit festive. We've had our Christmas lunch today, um, which was very nice. 
And Olivia's just going in the hashtag Ask JJ without even asking a question. Very good, Olivia. Love it. Mandy Bell, do they do the bee light? Yes, they do, Mandy. Yes, they do. So Polytech do the bee light. So bee light started off as a separate company and then Polytech, I think, made them. And then I think part of Polytech bought, I don't know how it worked. But anyway, but yeah, bottom line is, yes, they do. They do do the bee. They do do. They do do. do, 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 do the bee light, uh, Mandy. They do. So that is Polytech, German company, and they're good. I'm happy with them myself. I have lipedema. I don't think that's how you spell it. Lipedema. But anyway, we're going to lipedema. That says lipidemia. It's lipedema. Lip I'd have to write it down. Anyway, we know what you're on about. I've got lipedema in my calves. Is there anything you can do for this? Um Short answer, no, I'm not a lipedema guy. Lipedema is a bit of a niche and it is, uh, it, it's it's usually in the lower limbs. It's usually in the legs and the thighs, you know, the calves and the thighs. Um, and it is um, an unusual and an excess deposit of fatty tissue. And it is quite a niche to treat and, um there is stuff that can be done for it, um, all sorts of things that can be done for it, and it really needs someone who specialises in it, which is not me. And Dancy, I was going to say, used to specialise in it. I think she does still specialise in it, and she works at the Parkway in Solihull. Um, but I don't know if. So I think she's so she's a name that I would I would um, think uh, think about, but I don't don't specialise in it myself is a fact of the matter so some people have their niches i'm breast and body really i yes yeah okay i know legs are body i know you're going to say calves are body before you say it i'm going to preempt that yes calves is body but when i say breast and body it's breast and tummy really i do arm lifts and thigh lifts and liposuction and things like that but um but lipedema i would say is a niche of all of its all of its own and there's a few people who do specializing because it's extremely difficult to treat and uh, so it does need someone who has got a, an interest in it mandy thumbs up yourself my friend has just had lipo for lipedema but it's not an easy fix alas there you go i told you olivia is backing me up on that it is not is it olivia it is a difficult it, it is a difficult um Right, Lola's got the chocolates. Great. Okay. Um, right, push on, push on. Professional. I don't think they can hear that, can they? No. Um, right, this is a long one. I had face surgery in Poland 15 weeks ago and I'm worried. I went to Poland for a face and neck lift as well as the planned procedure. I also ended up having an eyebrow lift, lower and upper canthopexy on eyes and cheek implants too. Surgery was done 23rd of August and I am still numb under my neck at the throat area and right ear. My face is tender, numb, tight around my cheek implants too. It's been 15 weeks now and I'm starting to get concerned that the nerve endings won't heal due to the implants. They've changed my whole face and not for the better. Feedback has been that the surgeon has no concerns at the moment and everything's still healing. Do, do you have an option or advice to offer me? Okay, so what... No, Corinne, not the kids. It's the dog. Wendy knows. It's the dog's got the chocolate, Wendy. I don't know. Honestly, I think the dogs have got the chocolate, not the kids. 
Um, and before you write in, I know you're not supposed, dogs aren't supposed to have chocolate and stuff, all right? So I'm sure they've got it under control in there. So don't write in, okay? I'm sure it's all under control and there is not anything really to, to be alarmed about. Um, so I would say the first thing I'm going to say about this is that this is not my my ting. You know, you could argue calves is breast and body, but face is not breast and body. You know, a face... I'm not a face and neck lift. It's not my niche. But anyway, I think they're not. I think this person's probably just asking for help, really, rather than um, a specific uh, issue. So I think, in general terms, um, I'll tell you what it is, Corinne. It's some quality street that a patient gave me the other day. And, um, you know, that's what it is. It's a, I think, I think it's, a, I imagine that's going to be a box of quality street. Um, but uh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so what I would say in general terms to this, it is really difficult to comment on things at 15 weeks post-op, you know, numbness and all that sort of stuff. It is reassuring that the surgeon's got no concerns. That's reassuring. I think we can all agree on that. And um, a bit like what I said about the breast implants, everything being pushed, the same will be true to uh, with these cheek implants. Yeah, with cheek implants, the same principle is true. They will push the nerves, and in putting the implants in, you're going to be knocking the nerves about. So everything gets knocked about. So it's not unusual to get nerve dysfunction in terms of numbness, tight, all these things, feeling weird. It's the same with the breast. But as long as no nerves have been cut, then it should be okay. But you won't know. Again, I would say same sort of time scale i've got to be honest with you um yeah i know olivia i know the chocolate is toxic i know it's fine it's not had chocolate all right there's no chocolate i don't know who said it it's the kids it's not the dog lola is a child and lola's had the chocolate that's just right that's it it's not a dog um so i would say that as long you know it sounds like your surgeon's fine with it so if your surgeon's fine with it I would say 15 weeks post-op and you still got numbness wouldn't be necessarily too concerned about it because I think it sounds like you've had a lot done there with your cancer, canthopexy and your neck lift and your facelift and your cheek implants. You, you're putting it in there, you know, facelift tightening the skin, cheek implants tightening the skin. So you're having a lot going on there. Um, see, dog's alive. Heard it heard bark. Um, so the i would say that that i would not be overly concerned if it's just numbness and fight feeling tight um and that my advice would be stick with your surgeon and i would hope that that would be okay um that's my advice on that one hope that's helpful advice um got a question here gotta be honest with you look at this one guys look at this one any help be appreciated on this. Does anyone know anything about this? What is static and dynamic canthopexy? Crikey. Let me put this in. I bet it's the last person, the Poland person. Um, I've got to be honest. I Googled it a minute ago. Okay, full disclosure. No one's watching. I, I've, I Googled it. It's not my bag, this. Now, canthopexy, canthus is this. There's two, there's two canthi. Um, so your canthus is here. This is your outer canthus or your lateral canthus, and this is your inner canthus or your medial canthus. So you've got your medial and lateral canthus. So, so your uh, canthopexy is basically where you um, tighten or change the position of the canthus. 
of, of this position here. So for instance, if you have what's called a tropion, if your eye uh, lid is pulled away from your uh, eyeball uh, like that, if you have something removed like a skin cancer or something removed from your cheek and it pulls your eyelid down, or sometimes when people get older, they get what's called senile ectropion. So if the eyeball is um, not adherent with the eyelid and your tears don't go in the duct and they tear off your cheek, then you can secure it back with a canthopexy where you can secure the, 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 the canthus back so that the lid is against the globe. Apparently, uh, so that's a static canthopexy. Apparently a dynamic one is where they change the position of the canthus, whereas a static one is they're just tightening the... The, the lid. So I guess the one I'm referring to is when you've had a cancer or something like that, where your lid is loose and they're just tightening it. So the dynamic one, it sounds like, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not being much more help to you than Google would be to you. So I don't know how much help this is, but anyway, um, you know, um, a dynamic one sounds like when they're changing the position of the campus. Um, so maybe trying to make you look more beautiful by changing the position of your canthus. So not just tightening the lower lid, they're actually moving your, your canthus. Um, I think that's what a dynamic and static is. That's what I could glean from it. But I think to be fair, you're probably better off asking someone. You're marginally better asking me than man on the street, to be honest. There's not an awful lot of difference between me and random bloke on the street when you ask that question. Um, on that note, I'd better get out of here. God willing, I will see you next week and I'm gonna check out of here and I'm gonna check out of here. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.